Welcome to the Badass Direct Sales Mastery Podcast with your direct sales dom, Jenny Bellinger. Badass Direct Sales Mastery is a podcast for rock star direct sales moms who are determined to make their business kick ass. Jenny will share her knowledge of effective sales and recruiting techniques, tips to get what you want from your business, and will interview direct sales professionals and leaders from various companies. The interviews will give insight to how these rock stars got to where they are and where they plan to grow in the future. And now, the direct sales dom, Jenny Bellinger. Hello, everybody. Thank you again for being here on the Badass Direct Sales Mastery Summit. And today I am presenting to you Jack Canfield. Now, some of you may have heard of Jack from his many, many different books, but the three big ones are probably his success principles. Well, and then the Chicken Soup for the Soul series that he he co-wrote with quite a few different amazing people. And of course, The Secret, which has been out for oh gosh, I don't know, 15 years now or more, if not longer. So Jack, thank you so much for taking time out to talk to me today and talk to our audience. My pleasure, Jenny. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. So uh, first thing I'd like to ask you, I I really want to focus on the success principles. This has been a book that really and seriously was a life changer for me. So anytime one of my clients asks me for book recommendation, it's my go-to first thing, start with that one, because it really changed my life. And some of the big success principles that really stuck out for me was the very first one, which is take 100% responsibility. So Let's start with that one and then we'll delve into some of the others. So when it comes to a direct sales or a network marketing business and 100% responsibility, how do you see those two things going together? Well, I think in any any business where sales is involved, especially network marketing, you have to be taking 100% responsibility. We often want to blame the marketplace. We want to blame our upline. We want to blame the fact that the, the market's saturated. There's too many people. I've run out of my warm leads, you know, whatever it might be. And and everything in life, I teach this formula in the chapter. It's the first chapter in the book because it's the most fundamental. It's like the ground upon which you've got to build a tall building. If the foundation isn't strong, nothing else works. So basically, uh, you've got to give up blaming, complaining, and excuse making. And I teach this formula called E plus R equals O. There's an event in your life, like the pandemic's an event. Uh, you know, your company comes out. Like I, I belong to a network marketing company, and about ten years ago, one of the principals left and started their own competitor company. You know, so all of a sudden you go, oh wow, we can't be successful because they've got that thing over there, their products are cheaper, you know, whatever. And the reality is, it's just what it is. The events are the events. It rains, it snows, it gets cold. Someone forgets your birthday, whatever it might be. And it's your response to that that's going to determine the outcome. How much money you make, how healthy you are, how happy you are, uh, how well, you know, whatever. So the reality is you have to take 100% responsibility. And most people, unfortunately, we've grown up in a culture of blame. I mean, you know, we can look right now just what's going on. You know, the the president, our, our past president blamed the media, fake news. The Democrats blame the Republicans. The Republicans blame the Democrats. You know, everyone's blaming someone else. China, it, people in England are blaming the EU, you know, OPEC, uh, immigrants, you know, whatever it is. And the fact is, it is what it is. 
And, you know, I don't know. If, I've been around a long time. I'm 76. I've been through a lot of presidents. No president ever changed my life. You know, so the reality is I have to take responsibility for what I want to be happening in my life. And that means I've got to do the things that successful people do. You know, one of the principles that's in the book is basically, you know, a success leaves clues. So if there are successful people, if you've got people in your organization that are the top salespeople or they're the diamonds or, you know, whatever rankings you have in your company that are the highest, what happens is they did it. And if they can do it, you can do it. We've all heard the stories of the mother who worked two hours a day and built a 30,000 person downline. And how did they do that? They made lots of phone calls. They went on social media. They talked to people. They did home parties. They did the work. And, you know, in the in this world of sales, there's prospecting, there's presentation and there's close. And you have to become a master at that, which today involves social media, because so many of us are working from home. Like right. we're talking to each other right now. Yeah. So what used to be a home party, you have to do a webinar or you have to do a social media thing or you get online with five people and you, you share what your, your product or service is. So. It's doing that daily stuff. And that requires us to be uncomfortable. Most people spend their life avoiding discomfort. I don't want to be cold. I don't want to be wet. I don't want to be out of my comfort zone. I don't want to risk rejection. I don't want to sound foolish. I don't want my mother-in-law to get mad at me because I told her, hey, you ought to join my company. And so it's only the people that take big risks that get big payoffs. You know, Tony Robbins has a great quote. He says, massive success requires massive action. And so you look at people who make 20 phone calls a day. You know, I just, I'll, I'm giving you a long answer, but I'll, I'll end with this part of it. When we came out with the first Chicken Soup for the Soul book, I realized that one of the great markets for that book would be network marketing companies. So I started calling network marketing companies. I got hung up on. I had people tell me they weren't interested. I think the first day I must've called 20 companies and had no success whatsoever. And then the second day, I talked to someone at Discovery Toys, I think it was, they do these home parties for toys. And she liked the idea. I sent her a copy of the book. She liked the book. She wanted to buy 100. She asked me to keynote her conference. That one phone call turned into thousands of dollars worth of income for me as a speaker, me selling my book. And so it, you never know. Brian Tracy calls it the law of probabilities. The more things you try, the more likely one of them will work. You never know which one it is. Success is a numbers game, you know, dialing for dollars, you know, and so I think you have to be willing to risk rejection. Two friends of mine wrote a book called Go for No. Do you know that book? I have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a great book. And the idea is if you realize you're going to get no's and instead of being depressed and overwhelmed by that, what you do is you go, oh, one more no, that's great. Celebrate. I'm going to get 20 no's today because on the way to yes, you're going to get a lot of no's. Chicken Soup for the Soul turned down by 144 publishers. Before we got a yes. And every one of them is kicking themselves right now. (laughs) Well, many of them were. I actually met some at a conference later and they went, oh man, I wish I'd said yes to you, you know, but you know, they didn't know. And, uh, but we, we didn't give up. What if we'd given up after a hundred? I wouldn't be talking to you right now. Yeah. I have to say one of, one of my favorite principles is ask, 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 right. Just like you're talking about. And I've actually had some people say, how did you get Jack Canfield for your first summit? And I said, well, I did what he told me to. And they said, what did he tell you to do? I said, he said to ask. And so I did. <laughs> I know. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that where someone will say, 
someone asked me, how did you get Jack Canfield on your podcast? How did you get Jack Canfield to come here? And they say, I asked. And so many people, and I, I often thought of putting up a billboard that says, Jack Canfield is available. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and I think I think if I had sat there and just said, oh, why would he come to my event? Why would he want to do this? You know, it would show, number one, that I didn't follow the advice that I give my own clients, which is just have the conversation. Right. Ask. And it's right. just like because you, you say specifically in that chapter that if you ask and they say no, you're in no different position than you were in before you asked the question. That's but, right. If you don't ask, the answer is never going to be yes. So I, I think it's so important to have that chutzpah, I guess, to be able to just say, you know what, I'll just ask the question. It's not that hard to open your mouth or type an email, which is all I did. Type an email and invite it, right? And so how have you seen the the ask principle show up in, in other areas of, well, you say you're in a network marketing company. How have you seen that show up as a, benefit for your business? Well, asking, you know, and I, and I had, you know, we all do it. We all do it. You know, I think, well, should I ask that guy? He's like got a million people in his downline. Would he want to risk his brand by getting involved with an MLM? Would that be hurt? You know, and then, and so we all do it. it. It's just that voice is in there. It's, you know, that inner little critic voice, the voice that's afraid of rejection. It doesn't want to look like a fool. doesn't want to feel like you stupid, whatever, but you can't listen to it. You know, we've got, it's like you have a, a go for it voice on one shoulder and ah, you shouldn't do it on the other shoulder. You got to learn to listen to the go for it voice. So for me, you know, I called up a lot of major players in the field and said, would you be willing to do this? And I would say half of them said no. And the other half said, sure. One of them said, don't call me until March. Cause I've got a book coming out in February. I don't have time for it. And I don't want to be wasting my time on that. I want to focus on this, but March 1st is coming up. I'm going to be talking to him and you know, he's got a million people that follow him. And so the reality is it only takes a few of those kind of people to become key leaders in your organization that have the the chutzpah, the ability, the organizational skills, the no fear of rejection. You know, little kids, we almost wrote a book, Mark Victor Hansen, my co-author for Chicken Soup, we almost wrote a book called Ask Like a Kid. Because, you know, a kid always says, I know there's a cute video on YouTube, I can't remember right now, but his little kid's going, he's asking for a cookie. And I think it's called Look, Linda. And he's going, Linda, Linda, give me a cookie. No, I want a cookie. Come on, give me a cookie. No, it'll spoil your appetite. No, it won't. I promise I'll eat dinner. No, you won't. You won't. And you just keep doing it. And the kid, finally, the parent goes, oh, God, have a cookie, you know. And so they're not afraid of rejection. They just keep asking, you know. And then somewhere along the way, maybe we got rejected by a girl at the prom where we walked all the way across the floor to go ask her to dance. And then she said, no. And we had to walk all the way back with everyone looking at us, all the guys, you know, and then eventually it became a little painful, but you know, like you said, the key, key thing is you didn't lose anything. If I ask you and you say, no, I already had a no, it doesn't get worse. You know? And as I like to say, when I'm on stage teaching, if I apply to Harvard and don't get in, I wasn't in Harvard before I applied. I'm not in Harvard after I applied. I've lived my whole life not going to Harvard. I know how to handle that. You know, it's like it's not it's not such a big deal, right? And so it's like we are the one who's rejecting ourselves before we give the other person the opportunity. And you're going to get no's. You have to get used to that. If you're going to go play baseball, you're going to miss two out of three shots. Two out of three times, you're not going. If you bat 333, which means that you know 33 percent of the time you got a hit, 
that's big time. You, you're a pro. You're going to get paid millions of dollars a year. Well, in network marketing or any kind of sales, it's the same thing. There is a cycle of success where, like in when we were enrolling people, I used to have offices in five cities when we were running live seminars. St. Louis was one of them. And we found out for every call that our team made, we'd get eight no's for one yes. And one night, this person got 81 no's in a row. And then they got nine yeses in a row. <laughs> the average played out, you know? So it, it, no one will always say, you're not going to get yeses from everyone. It just doesn't happen, you know? And it's called, thank you for caring enough to listen to my presentation. If you're ever in a situation where you may need that, uh, please let me know. Maybe you'll lose your job, the pandemic. Maybe you'll decide you want to send your kid to private school. Maybe you'll decide you want to buy that boat. If And so you, when you do, you know my number. You know, yeah. it's like, thank you very much. It's no big deal. Yeah. One of the greatest trainings I received or tips, techniques, strategies, whatever you'd like to call it, when I was active in my own direct sales business was they said to create that list, which we all have the, the, the dreaded list, right? Yeah. Create the list. But here's the thing. Go through and call the people who you are certain are going to say no first, mm. right? Call them first, because here's the thing. If you call the people who you think are going to say no and they say no, you're right. Right. But if they say yes or they say maybe you get a little excited. Right. It's a, yeah. it's a happy thing. And then you put the maybes in the middle and you put the less yeses last, because if you start with the yeses and they tell, you no, Right. Wah, wah. <laughs> so. Yeah. You know, and, and, and true, true. I was doing a talk for a guy who trains coaches. And I, I came up early to just kind of get a feel for the room and who would be in there and, and, and some people on a break before my talk. And what he asked them to do, he said, I want you to go and on this break, call as many people as you can, you know, at least think of three people, get their phone numbers in your list and call them and just say to them, by the way, you made a huge difference in my life. I would like to give you a gift. I would like to give you an hour of free coaching. I've just become a coach. So I'd like to gift you with an hour of free coaching as a thank you. Would you accept that? And every one of them said, they came back after the break and I said, everyone I reached, because they didn't reach everyone because they weren't available. They said, said yes. Now, think about that. You offer them a free hour of coaching as a gift. And then at the end, you say, was that valuable? Yes. Would you like to do some more of those? Yeah. You, now you have a client. And the same thing with, with, with anything you're selling. You know, the reason I'm calling you is you've been a big contribution in my life. And I want to give something back to you. I just discovered this amazing new product or service. And I thought that you might be willing to, you know, might be useful to you. I'm calling mm. you out of my love for you, you know, as opposed to, hey, man, you want to sign up for Legal Shield? You know, whatever. It's like, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, yeah. So. No, I, I think sometimes what holds people back, number one, is that mental thing that you talked about. We say those things to ourselves. This person isn't going to want to do this or whatever. And the second thing is people don't always know what to say. So having the right words can can really be a, a big help. And how do you learn the right words? You do that by talking to the people who've done what you want to do. As you said, success leaves clues. So talking to those people. So how do you recommend that somebody who's watching this, let's say they've just started in their direct sales or network marketing career, how do they reach out to those top people? What would you recommend they request of these top people? How do you 
Well, I always say, you know, build up your confidence. Start with people you think might say yes. You know, and you said start with people who you think are going to say no. That's great. But, you know, you don't get into the major leagues without playing in the minor leagues. Even Michael Jordan had to do that when he wanted to play baseball. Yeah. You know, Roy Campanella, when they wanted to bring him to the Dodgers as the first black guy to come into the major league that wasn't in the black baseball league, they still made him go up to Toronto and play in the minor leagues before they brought him to the major. He was already good enough to be in the majors, but you got to kind of test yourself out in the big game, you know, as they say. And so I would start building up your confidence with some people that, you know, here's the deal, study. There are a hundred books on how to sell, how to close. There are tons of books on network marketing, you know, how to build a network marketing empire, et cetera. Buy some of those basic books. Your upline will tell you what they are. And then what I always like to do is like have your upline enroll a couple of your friends while you listen. So how did you do that? Like in my company that I'm in, there's a certain drink that we do that's, a, you know, antioxidant. And I know one guy who enrolls two people a day, day in and day out, two people a day. He's the fastest growing person in my organization, selling one product. We have 700 SKUs, one product, and he just basically spends a 12-minute phone call. He's got it nailed. I had him come on and basically do his pitch to my entire team. So I have 2,000 people in my, in my organization at the moment. Wow. And so what happens is they all learned how to do that. And the script was there. We sent it off to Rev. We typed it up. Everyone's got it. So now you can memorize it and do it. Practice it a few times. Make it your own. And so if you watch someone do what you want to do, you know, I know when I was a kid, if I would watch an NBA basketball game and then I would go out and and play basketball on the playground, I was better. You know, Mm. somehow just somehow I would pick up the moves. I would see something. I would notice something. So watch the people that are successful, you know, not just having mentors, but also just observing, you know, if you want to be a great speaker, go online and watch about 25 Ted talks, you know, you're going to see how they do it. And then you buy a book called talk like Ted and they tell you how they, they, these constructed those talks. So it's amazing how little people are willing to study, to mm-hmm. learn, you know, and, and almost every direct sales organization has books, videos, trainings they do, et cetera, that teach you how to do what they do. That's why duplication is so important. You know, if you can see me do it and you can turn around and you can do it, then you can teach the people underneath you to do it. And then you've got an organization that grows. Absolutely. I think one of the things that helped make me so successful in my own direct sales career was the amount of training, reading, you know, I was constantly learning. And sometimes it was very network marketing focused. In other cases, it was, you can see here, I'm a member of BNI. I took a lot of trainings from the BNI thing and said, okay, now remove anytime they say do this for BNI, I removed BNI and inserted the name of my business. Now go do that for my business and see how it works. And guess what? It works. It's pretty phenomenal, right? And especially because sales is a referral business, you know, and BNI, Ivan Meisner is one of my best friends who started BNI. And so (laughs) he's a great guy. Uh, We love each other. And so what happens is that you have to be willing to learn, learn your product or service, learn how your company works, learn the comp plan, and then learn how to sell. But sell... You know, it's it's like, it's not a hard sell. A friend of mine actually runs a seminar called Heart Sell. You know, we want to be coming from service. And yeah. you know, I'm doing this thing because I, I care about you. I love you. And then when you get that, you want to be served. Everyone wants to be served. And as long as we're not coming there like a puppy humping your leg, you know, because I need to <laughs> fail, you know, 
then yeah. what happens is people will play. But you, and you also have to work on your mindset. The, the big thing, again, is so much of what's in the Success Principles book. And I see behind you, you have the Success Principles workbook as well. Oh, yeah. Which is our kind of coaching program between the covers of a book, which we came out last March with, is that you have to be willing to look at what are my limiting beliefs? What are my fears? And then how do we how do we re- release those? And that that's the big thing. In fact, I don't know when you're airing this, but the point is I do a thing a couple times a year. I think I have one coming up February 25th where I have a workshop that's free. And basically I, I take, I usually get two or 3000 people on this call and I walk them through a limiting beliefs release, identify your subconscious limiting belief and release it. And mm-hmm. two or 3000 people go back into their childhood, discover a belief they didn't even know they had, replace it with a positive belief, then reinstall that. And then their whole life changes, you know, because what happens is we're all moving forward. We learn all these things we're supposed to do, like in my book and what you teach and so forth. But what happens is all of a sudden we're not doing it. We're uncomfortable. We're afraid. We're limiting ourselves in some way. We're triggered by something. And that's usually subconscious. We don't know we have it. So I I say, imagine you're getting on a plane, Jenny, and you see the pilot come on and he's six years old and he's walking into the cockpit of a 747 and he's about three feet tall. You know, he's got the little pilot's uniform on. You're going, this guy is piloting my plane. And yet most of us are going around with a six-year-old piloting our life because we made some decision at six years old that it's not okay to ask for what I want. It's not okay to be wealthy. It's not okay to be sexy. It's not okay to make noise. It's not okay to be, you know, uh, outrageous, to be playful, to be, you know, whatever. And so what happens is we don't know why we're not taking the action, but it's this limiting belief that's stopping us. Wow. That is powerful. I hadn't ever thought of it that way, but I think you're right. Um, And as we go through this and, you know, one of the principles is, I think you worded it differently. I'm, I'm pulling the wording from, I think it's Susan Jeffers, um, yes. you know, feel the fear, do it anyway. Right. Cause sometimes right. the way you release the fear is you do it. And then you go, I didn't die. <laughs> I didn't die when I did the thing. Okay. So I know the next time you do it, it's a little less scary, you know, like people who do, you know, I'm going to use BNI as the example again, right? People who show up to BNI for the very first time and they're asked to stand up and give a 30 second, you know, commercial about themselves. And you can tell the people who've never done it before and they are, you can, you feel so badly for them because they're just absolutely terrified. But then they sit down, they're like, oh, okay, I didn't die. Right. And so yeah. it's, it's experience the fear, right? It's, you just don't let it slow you down. Right. Yeah, it's funny because Susan Jeffers, who wrote that book, Feel the it was a friend of mine. And when I came out with the first edition of the book, I had that was the chapter title, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. She threatened to sue me because she had trademarked <laughs> the phrase. So I had to change it to Experience Your Fear and Take Action Anyway, which is what it's called now. Right. I said, hey, Susan, no problem. No big deal. But what happens is she's right. You know, I use this metaphor. Imagine you're learning to dive on a diving board. You're six years old. You're in your uncle's backyard, this pool, and you get out to the edge of the diving board and you look down and you go, I'm not going to dive. I'm going to go see a therapist and deal with my fear of diving into liquids from high places. Um, you know, it's, it's three feet to the water. It's six feet deep under that. That's nine feet of, of terror. And so I'll, I'll see you when I talk to my therapist. None of us ever did that. What did we do? We basically felt the fear and we jumped anyway. 
and we might have done a belly flop or slapped our back and stung a little bit, but we did it again and again. And pretty soon it was kind of fun. Then we're doing bomb dives and making all of everyone wet and parents are saying, stop doing that. You know, whatever <laughs> we're, we're having fun. Then we want to dive off the diving board. Then we want to do a flip Then we want to do the high dive. And so self-confidence is the result of surviving a risk. And so whenever you're in a situation like BNI, where you're kind of forced to have to stand up and give your 30 minute bio or what are your talk or what talk about your business, whatever, what happens is you survive. And then it's like, well, I'm still here. I guess that wasn't so bad after all, you know? So it's like we said earlier, when you make those phone calls and you get a no, so what? I'm remembering, you know, my wife, we used to do couples workshops together and she was the one who wanted to do them. I was doing these self-esteem and peak performance type things. And she wanted me to call lead with her. I said, fine, we're going to test it out in our living room with six couples before we put it out there to the world. And so she had to call up the couples. They're all friends of ours and invite them. And I said, but it's on you. You're going to have to do that because I've got, I was on the road at the time. And um, so she called up her friend, uh, Stephanie, and she said, will you come over and hold my hand? Because she was afraid. So she held her hand and she dialed and first couple said, yes. And then the second couple said, no, we're going to be busy that weekend. And so that was why. And the third couple said, yes. And then she turned to Stephanie and said, you can leave now. I got this. You know, and it was like she needed to go through those first couple of times and realize she could do it. And then she was confident. Now she's out there, you know, doing whatever she wants all the time. No fear. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of companies right now that actually offer a three-way call process. You know, I, I can't tell you the number of clients I have who have an upline who offers to do their three-way calls with them and they don't take them up on it. I'm like, what are, what are you doing? <laughs> you have this perfect opportunity to work with someone who's really good at getting yeses, who's really good at overcoming objections, who's really good at, you know, helping maneuver people, not just from being customer, but into possibly doing the business as well. Right. Why wouldn't you utilize that? Right. What, what reasons well, do you I have? Think, I think that limiting beliefs come up again, fear of imposing, you know, who am I to ask them to do this for me? And, I'm still going to be asking my cousin or my sister to play, you know, and then, and now I've got a stranger. I don't even know that well doing it for me, you know, so can I trust her to do that and not embarrass me? Is she going to hard sell the person? You know, there's all, the, it's just fear. Yeah. Fear is, you know, we you've heard this fantasized experiences appearing real. We go into the future and we imagine a bad outcome. Mm-hmm. All fear takes place in the future. Even if there was a snake on the floor in your office moving toward you, if you got afraid, you'd have to go into the future and imagine it biting you or wrapping itself around you like a boa constrictor and cutting off your breath. The reality is that hasn't happened yet. So you have True. to go into the future and imagine the bad thing. So you see a spider on the ceiling and you know in your bedroom and it could come down in the middle of the night and bite you, right? But you have to go into the future and imagine it coming down and biting you. So what happens is we go into the future and imagine this possible client, you know, person that's going to be a customer business builder, whatever, rejecting us. And we could use that same talent. I think it was um, Zig Ligler who used to say, worrying is negative goal setting. We're visualizing the exact thing we don't want, right? We're going into the future and visualizing the outcome we don't want to have happen. And if we know from the law of attraction that whatever you visualize and feel strongly about, which fear and worry is, you're going to create it. 
Mm-hmm. So basically, you want to go into the future and imagine the positive. Imagine your sister saying yes. Imagine your father saying, yes, honey, I'll support you. Imagine your wife going, okay, if you want to invest $1,000 to get involved in this, let's go ahead and do it. We could use the extra money. Now, it may or may not happen that way immediately, but the point is, at least you now have the courage because you've survived the risk in your mind. Then what I say is have an affirmation. I'm so happy and grateful that my sister said yes. You know, Now, close your eyes. Visualize that call. Visualize your sister saying yes. Now, our subconscious mind can't tell the difference between a real event and an imagined event. And if you don't think that's true, all you have to do is put on what are those called? Oculus glasses. Oh, yeah. Where they take you and put you on the edge of a, a, a cliff that's about three miles high down to the ravine, you know, yeah. and your stomach will turn over. Yeah. And it's not real. It's just a visual. You know, we, we see people get stabbed in a movie and we go like this, you know, because we feel it in our own body because we can't tell the difference. And so you can build your confidence by imagining success. You build your lack of confidence by imagining failure. Yeah. And if you want to see this being held true, I tell my clients all the time about Olympic gold medal athletes. If you watch them, if you're able to go find video of them before they did that gold winning slalom run or the gold winning swim, whatever it is, you literally see them sitting there with headphones on, eyes closed. Do you know what they're doing? They're visualizing themselves going through that gold medal winning sport, whatever it is. So the slalom run, you can literally see them like doing the body moves. They're they're rocking back and forth as they're imagining themselves going down the the mountain with all the slaloms in the right place, doing it just right. So that way they do their best performance, which turns into a gold medal outcome. So and all the same muscles are twitching and firing off all the same neurons. And actually that is a rehearsal. It's actually having a benefit to them in their body right before they go on. So it's absolutely, I was at the 1984 Olympics in LA and I was watching, it got to go one day and I was watching the high jump and the American who ended up getting a bronze, I was watching him and you could see him on a big screen because they had a big screen at the end of the stadium. And he was going like, he would be sitting there going like this before he would start his running, he'd be going, we're all wondering what the heck was he doing? And he got interviewed that night on KABC or whatever the local station was. I happened to see it. And he was one of these guys that took three steps and did what they call the Fosbury flop, where you go over on your back over the high jump. And he was taking step, 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 flop in his mind before he did it. And he went on, he was the third best in the world, you know, because of that. So the reality is that it works and it works for anything you want to do before you give a sales presentation, before you ask your kid to go to bed, before you ask Joan to marry you, you know, whatever it is. Mental rehearsal is is way undervalued. Olympic athletes all do it, but it's not being taught in our schools. It's not, you know, this is interesting. In American schools, only 10% of kids graduate ever having been educated about setting a goal, about affirmations, about visualization, about values, you know, like how to clarify your values, you know, what's your purpose in life? What's your why? Doesn't happen. So that's why people like you and I have to go out and educate people to get the education. Because do you know anyone that got divorced because they didn't memorize the five exports of Argentina when they were studying geography? (laughs) (laughs) It never happened. Never happened. But we get divorced because we can't communicate. We don't know how to say we're sorry. We, We pick badly, you know, whatever. So when I wrote the Success Principles book, my goal was to say, okay, what would I have liked to have learned in school? I think everyone needs to know in order to be successful. I want to put 
if say if you could only read one book, and I, I encourage you to read a lot more, but if you could only read one book and that book would be enough, that was my goal. And that I took three years to write that book, 20 years to get ready for it, three years to write it. And um, you know, it's 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 sold um millions of copies. I think it's in 50 languages around the world. One of the stories that's really fun for me, Jenny, a mayor in a small town in Russia, because I spoke in Moscow a couple of years, well, not more than a couple, about 10 years ago. And he bought a copy of the book in Russian for every person of meaning, you know, like the mayor, the fire chief, the, all the policemen, the school superintendent, the teachers, anyone that was influential. I mean, he bought hundreds of books and literally transformed the town. The whole town changed because they all took on these prints. It became like, you know, everyone in a certain family knows the bread recipe that grandma passed down, you know, for three generations. This whole town became like that. Everybody knew these principles. And so that's what's possible. There's, if you want to be successful, whether it's my book, I love my book, but there are lots of books out there, lots of courses, TED Talks, Tony Robbins, me, Brian Tracy, you, whatever. There's no excuse to not be successful anymore. And when you take all the technology like tapping and NLP and EFT and, and you know, on it goes, it's just called if you want to, you can. Yeah. And, you know, I think it all comes with being willing, willing to learn, willing to put in the effort, which are not surprisingly part of the success principle program, right? Understanding yeah. all of that. So, so Jack, I so appreciate you coming here and sharing this today. And I think a lot of our audience is going to be super happy and excited to be like, oh my gosh, Jack Canfield's in network marketing too. It's that whole, you know, it brings another third party validation because, you know, the number of us who are fighting and I, it sounds like even you deal with this this negative perception of the direct sales and network marketing world sure. to be able to say, even Jack Canfield is in network marketing. Yeah. And John Gray, who wrote Men Are From Mars, and I can name 20 people I know that are Janet Atwood, who wrote The Passion Test. I mean, a lot of people here. here let me tell you why I got involved in I've, I've been involved in five network marketing companies over the course of my life, you know, was a weight loss company. Another one was an herbal company. And and they were all perfect for me at that time. What I needed for my own life in terms of the products, as well as, you know, helping people make income. But I hadn't been for a while. And then the pandemic hit. And here I was March 10th, and we had $800,000 in deposits for live seminars, which we now could not deliver because you can't gather in hotel rooms. Mm -hmm. So we had to switch everything to online. And it didn't happen overnight. We had to develop online courses and ongoing programs and so forth. I didn't want to fire my staff. I have 12 staff and two external contract laborers that I would have had to fire. I said, I don't want to do that. So I said, let's find a network marketing company that we can stand behind. And I, there was one that I did. And I said, I'm going to enroll everyone in the company. And we're all going to do this as a side business in addition to what we know now, because we can do this online. And, you know, I'm making probably like 9,000 a month right now, additional income. Most people in my company are making anywhere from four to $2,000 a month additional income. And for some of those people, that would have been enough had, had we not pivoted successfully to not have to fire them and still cut their salary in half. Because I didn't want to fire anyone. I got four women with kids that are under the age of six, you know. Aww. So basically, being able to do a business from home when the pandemic hit, everybody wins. And I think a lot of us are realizing, a lot of people are going, 
hey, I'm not so sure I want to keep doing that. If I could do this, you know, I can become a Royal Crown Diamond or, you know, whatever it is. And some of these people that are in these companies are making, you know, $100,000 a month. That's pretty good living. Yeah. And, and it's a legacy. You keep owning it. You know, some people don't do much of anything anymore, but they got 30,000 people under them who are doing it. So I always say about network marketing coming, you never get paid what you're worth in the beginning because you're working way too many hours. Your hourly income would probably be about $2 an hour. But after two or three years, you're getting paid way more than anyone should ever get paid per hour. So it's just, you got to put in the time. It's like you're priming the pump. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the last thing I want to cover with you is, you know, we got to do a little bit of of, uh, promotion here with that is, one of the big important things, one of the biggest success principles that I latched onto was finding a coach was yes. actually going out. So, you know, so Jack Canfield's in a network marketing company. The question I got to ask now is, does, does Jack Canfield have a coach? Jack Canfield has several coaches. I don't have a coach. I, mm-hmm. I've had him recently, recently, you know, yeah. one coach coaches people that pay him a hundred thousand dollars a year to be their coach. They're entrepreneurs and they can afford it. And they're, they're, they made millions more because they paid a hundred. So if you can invest a hundred and make a million, that's a pretty good investment. But I belong to two mastermind groups that in a sense are group coaching, you know, yeah. and we're all working together. So I, I'd, I'd mention their names. They probably wouldn't want me to, but they're all names you'd recognize. Sure. Uh, we're all supporting each other to be more successful. And if you don't have a coach, if you don't have a mastermind group, you're flying blind. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, Today's world, you need two things. You need accountability and you need connection. And so look, you, you're a member of BNI. You're a member, you've got coaches. You're a coach. You've got people that are working with you. And, you know, I've got a coaching club that I do and people that I mastermind. You've got to have someone holding you accountable. Most of you listening to this are solo entrepreneurs and you're going to do the easy thing. You're going to do the comfortable thing. If you had a boss that said, call the White House and see if you can get through to Joe Biden or Kamala Harris, you'd call. You'd have to. Your boss said to. Yeah. But if you were to, you'd sit there all day long, go, well, I'm going to call. They're not going to say yes. Who am I? Blah, blah, blah. So by setting goals and having accountability, which a mastermind person or a coach will give for you, you need to do that. So, you know, definitely read my books. They are a coach club between, between the covers of a book, but also work with a live coach. Um, they know you know, and I know where people get stuck. We know what their blocks are. We know where they give up. We know where the road, it's like we're guides in Africa. We know where the hippopotamuses live. We know where the dangerous lions are. We know where the quicksand is. And we can help you get around that because we've been down that road and, you know, follow the successful people. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jack. I really, really appreciate you being here today and sharing this because I'm I'm not even kidding you when I tell people this is a life-changing book. It really honestly is because you know, you're absolutely right. These are things that are not taught in school. You know, some of these things were things that, you know, my parents brought to my attention, you know, about what character is, integrity is, right? But these success principles really do help guide you to success over and over and over again. And and it's not a book that you can read just once. I have reread this book at least three times from, from cover to cover. And 
any given time in between, you know, when I'm looking for a little bit of inspiration, motivation, when I'm thinking I need a little something, I'll grab the book, flip to a random page. And it's always what I need in the moment. It's, it's so crazy how the universe does that yeah. when you say, Hey universe, what do I need? And then you open the book and it goes, Oh, yep. That's exactly what I needed to read right now. <laughs> so thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate your taking the time to share this with our audience, Jack. Uh, my pleasure, Jenny. And to all of you watching, just remember, you have everything you need to create anything you want, as long as you are willing to learn and cooperate with other people, take some risk, get out there and and, and do what needs to be done. <sighs> Got to end on that. Thank you so much. All right, guys, you know how this goes. We're going to take a short little break and we'll be back with our next speaker. Hey, badass crew, Jenny B here. I want to start by thanking Gina, Matt, Jessica, and Renee for finding me on social media and connecting with me. If you've been listening to the show for a while, find me on your favorite social media platform. Friend request me and send me a message letting me know that you're a member of the Badass Crew. I want to meet you. Trust me, I will fangirl on you so hard because I love you. So. Go find all of my pertinent social media links right in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the Badass Direct Sales Mastery Podcast with your direct sales dom, Jenny Bellinger. Why are you waiting to go to BadassDirectSalesMastery.com? Don't make the dom get her whip. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to share it with another rock star that you know in direct sales after you subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any future episodes. You can also check out the show notes for links and any contact information mentioned in today's episode. We'll see you next time.